opening the doors to my signature training program, Social Media for Social Good Academy, in just a few weeks. I only run this program once each year, so don't miss out. Get on the wait list at socialgoodacademy.com, and I'll send you all the details when it's up and running. Sound good? See you there. Now on to the episode. What's next for nonprofits and social media? It has been a wild ride in social media these past few months, hasn't it? Scandals involving problematic hiring and firing practices, widespread ethics violations, and massive layoffs dominated the headlines and made those in marketing take a hard look at the industry to determine if we even want to be a part of it. Meta axed 13% of its workforce on November 9 after Zuckerberg admitted he had overinvested in the company. This included their entire social impact department just in time for Giving Tuesday and year-end fundraising. Over the summer, Snap Inc., the owners of Snapchat, slashed 1,200 jobs, roughly 20% of the company's full-time workforce. And also in November, chief twit Elon Musk laid off almost half of Twitter's employees and 80% of contracted staff, with a significant portion of those working in the social impact department as well. I'll dive more into the Twitter dumpster fire later in this episode. It's no wonder that everyone started asking the question, what's next for social media? And for us, we want to know, what does all of this mean for nonprofits? So in this special three-part series, I'll review the current social media landscape as we enter 2023. I'll talk about important trends to consider and the steps nonprofits can take to thrive, not just survive in this culture of constant change. I want to start by addressing the elephant in the room. The big question, does social media matter anymore? Well, let's get to the statistics first. According to Hootsuite, 4.7 billion people use social media with an average daily time spent of 2.5 hours. And according to the same report, Facebook and YouTube remain squarely at the top of the social media pyramid in terms of global active user figures. So Google itself reported that nearly 40% of young people go to TikTok or Instagram to search instead of Google Maps or Google search. And that's the thing. The term social media and the way in which we view it has definitively changed. The old way is dead. And that is certainly true. You know this if you've been on any of the big platforms in the last few years. Our Facebook and Instagram feeds have ceased to be unadulterated streams of posts from friends and people we've chosen to follow. Instead, the content and the posts that we're most likely to see are selected by algorithms and can be bypassed by advertisers who pay to boost or promote their stuff. In their piece for Vice, entitled Social Media is Dead, Edward Ongueso Jr. writes, for the most part, when it comes to the major firms that defined the term over the last few years, social media refers to platforms where user growth is leveraged into advertiser revenue, along with new goods and services to sustain user growth that is leveraged into advertiser revenue and so on. These platforms allow for users to connect to others. And in the process of all that connection, generate data, which other businesses pay for and use to offer more relevant goods and services and experiences. 
The Atlantic soon followed with their article entitled The Age of Social Media is Ending. Great title. Ian Bogust writes, the terms social network and social media are used interchangeably now, but they shouldn't be. A social network is an idle, inactive system, a Rolodex of contacts, a notebook of sales targets, a yearbook of possible soulmates. But social media is active, hyperactive, really, spewing material across those networks instead of leaving them alone until needed. Social media as we once knew it is now not about connecting to those you know, or even connecting with anyone in general. Connection as a platform's primary purpose, for the most part, has declined. It's all about broadcasting and passive consumption, consuming content from content creators. Think about the flat, flat, the flat, (laughs) sorry about that. Think about the platforms that are exploding in user growth. YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, and an endless number of streaming platforms. A creator and their audience. One to many, not one to one, as originally touted by Facebook. This brings me to the first big trend that nonprofits need to understand. And I'm going to take a sip of water. I am doing this all in one take, people. Okay. First trend. The TikTokification of the internet is real and we can't ignore it. Social media is now not about who you know and connecting with friends and family and sharing baby photos. I mean, some of it is, but the majority was about discovery. What's new, what's trending, what else is everyone talking about? This means that more platforms are going to model the TikTok for you feed, also called, also typically called FYF. Everywhere you go online, you're going to see more and more content from pages and people that you don't know infiltrating your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your LinkedIn feed. Zuckerberg himself has said this straight up, noting in a recent interview with The Verge that, and I quote, what's basically going to happen is that over the next year or two, we'll start showing more recommended content in the feed. And we'll know that we're doing a good job because the content in the beginning is going to displace some other content and either displacing that content is going to lead to negative feedback from people and lead to people connecting with each other less and all the metrics that we focus on, or it will actually lead to people connecting more and being more satisfied with the product. Oh, and I just spilled water all over my planner, but that's okay. And that's end quote. This trend stems from TikTok, which focuses on showing you the best, which means, you know, quote unquote best, most popular posts from a wide variety of strangers, as opposed to pushing you to create and post your own content. So this is the very trick that enables TikTok to maximize user engagement. Because when you go on TikTok, you aren't limited to just people that you know. This also provides more exposure potential for creators who are then able to have their posts seen by a lot more people outside of their own audience. So it is kind of a win-win for everyone and the world has responded. So nonprofits, you cannot ignore TikTok if you want to continually grow your audience with younger people. And while half of TikTok's U.S. audience is younger than 25, the app is really winning grownups' attention too. So eMarketer, 
an industry analyst, expects its over 65 audience will increase this year by nearly 15%. And the AARP last year even unveiled a TikTok how-to guide. And I will link to that in the show notes. It's great. Now, it is worth noting that some U.S. lawmakers um, who view the platform as a security threat because of its parent company's roots in China are working on an all-out ban of the app. So in recent weeks, more than a dozen U.S. states and the U.S. House of Representatives have banned TikTok from government devices, and some universities are also restricting access to the app. Good luck with that. But with more than 1 billion global users, TikTok may be too entrenched in our culture to be shut down completely. And like anything super popular, this trend goes beyond just one platform. And there must-read article, How TikTok Ate the Internet, for the Washington Post, Drew Harwell writes, more than just a hit, TikTok has blown up the model of what a social network can be. Silicon Valley taught the world a style of online connectivity built on a hand, chosen interests, and friendships. TikTok doesn't care about those. Instead, it unravels for viewers an endless line of videos selected by its algorithm, then learns a viewer's tastes with every second they watch, pause, or scroll. You don't tell TikTok what you want to see. It tells you. And the internet can't get enough. Okay, second trend. Getting off Twitter. I made the sad decision to leave Twitter in November. It was a long time coming. Um, I'd been on the social network since 2006. I have accumulated almost 18,000 followers. Um, but I, I made the choice after the resignation of their chief information security officer, chief privacy officer, and chief compliance officer. Also, Andrew Anglin, um, the co-founder of the neo-Nazi website, The Daily Stormer, has been welcomed back with open arms on the platform. And according to Businessweek, Twitter laid off 63% of women in engineering roles compared to 48% of men. The list was on and on and on. So my blog posts do still automatically tweet, but I don't visit the site or engage with notifications. I took the app off my phone. I'm consider fully deleting my account, um, but I hesitate due to the amazing personal and professional connections that I made there. Now, the president of the Barr Foundation put it best in a blog post for the communications network. We're keeping a cautious eye on Twitter. Nature of the conversation there, plus how algorithms changing to make it that much harder to reach our audiences without paying, were already making us question how much time and attention Twitter deserved. Not pausing or exiting yet. Hard to walk away, given historic efforts and the audience we've cultivated. But we're really interested in what others are up to, watching for, thinking about, and what kind of guidance, if any, people are giving to colleagues. So the communications network created an open source collaborative doc to help foundation and nonprofit comms teams share their plans for Twitter and any related materials. So I will post that link in the show notes and you can feel free to contribute, review this collaborative doc to help inform your thinking and decision-making. Also the great folks at M&R put together a brief to help nonprofits weigh their options. I'll post that on the show notes, or you can check out their blog at 
mrss.com forward slash lab. I will also share a helpful article that was shared by Beth Cantor on how to download your data from Twitter if you are making the switch. All right, third trend, getting on LinkedIn. Did you know that LinkedIn is the highest converting channel for nonprofits? So that's according to the Donor Engagement Report, how nonprofits build meaningful connections on LinkedIn, developed in partnership with Classy. Some key findings of this report, LinkedIn's global network is made up of over 850 million professionals, and many of those professionals donate to nonprofits regularly. One in three survey respondents, 33%, report donating to causes, individuals, or nonprofits on a monthly basis, with 20% donating weekly. That's amazing. 98% of the LinkedIn users surveyed in this report say they donate at least once per year. That's amazing. They also found that LinkedIn members are 56% more likely to donate to nonprofits than the average internet user. And LinkedIn is investing heavily in new products and features. Um, they also have a blog and resource center for nonprofits. It's one of the best I've seen in the social media space. So eligible nonprofits, you can get up to a 50% discount on a lot of these features. Just learn more at nonprofit.linkedin.com. Worth exploring. Fourth trend, experimenting with smaller platforms. So small is the new big. And I know I just spent a good part of the episode talking about TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn, three of the world's biggest social media platforms. But hear me out. More and more people are exploring smaller, more niche social media apps. Sick of narcissistic billionaires shoving the metaverse and racist tweets down our throats. Some tech startups want to give the power back to the users. The photo sharing app Be Real became a huge viral craze this year. First launched in 2020, it exploded in popularity last year, and now it claims 10 million daily active users. Be Real's biggest demographic group in the U.S. is women aged between 18 and 24 years. Um, that accounted for two-thirds of the app's unique visitors. And according to the uh, to their description on the app store, Be Real encourages people to show your friends who you really are for once by removing filters and opportunities to stage overthought or editing edited photos. So, what's being pushed by Real by Be Real? is that there should be no editing or filters, just reality. And I really like this app because you have to participate, not just passively consume. In order to view your friends' photos on Be Real, you have to share a photo first. And right now, uh, the app does not do any form of advertising or marketing, and that makes it attractive to those of us sick of seeing so many ads in our feeds. And it also won the Apple Award for Best iPhone App of the Year. Uh, in November. Mastodon took over headlines when Musk took over Twitter, as many people made the move there. So Mastodon, if you haven't heard of it, it describes itself as a free, open source, decentralized social media platform that aims to be a viable alternative to Twitter. Right now, there are an estimated 4.5 million accounts, and the benefits include no algorithm, Mastodon presents posts in chronological order. 
no ads. Mastodon is largely crowdfunded. People have asked if I'm on Mastodon, uh, while I'm not opposed to it, I just haven't had the time to explore it. Uh, I do like their mantra on their website. We believe that your ability to communicate online should not be at the whims of a single commercial company. And if you want, I have a tool that will make it easier to find your Twitter followers and friends on Mastodon. It's called Move to Dawn. That's M-O-V-E-T-O-D-O-N dot O-R-G. Uh, communications app Discord has come up in the conversations around um, substitute platforms, uh, especially those in the gaming community who already use it a ton and rely on it to connect with other gamers. But it's not exactly small. It has over 140 million active monthly users and 300 million registered accounts. But I haven't really heard of many nonprofits on Discord. So on Discord, users participate in servers, which are similar to chat rooms that some of us might remember from the AOL days. Maybe I'm dating myself. Um, many servers are private and invite only. One main drawback is that um, using Discord, it's not very intuitive and it doesn't have anything resembling the main newsfeed in the way that other social media apps do. So it's on you. Users must check the communities they care about. Um, and still like Twitter, it can be used to spread news, announcements, discuss news stories, get in touch with a lot of people at once. Um, and certain communities like the gaming community rely on Discord as a main form of communication. So if you find that there's a community there for you, definitely participate. The last small platform I'll highlight because it's kind of a mystery is called Post. So this came to my attention via the Progressive Exchange Listserv, a community I highly recommend joining, Progressive Exchange Listserv. Noah Barden, founder of Post, he wrote on the homepage of their website, Post will be a civil place to debate ideas, learn from experts, journalists, individual creators, and each other, converse freely, and have some fun. If that sounds interesting, you can go to post.news and sign up for the waitlist. I did. Who knows what it's going to be like? I don't know. If you're on post, let me know what you think about it. Post.news, sign up for the waitlist. Okay. Our fifth trend, social media fundraising. It's here to stay and growing. So there's no doubt that social media, no matter the platform, remains a powerful way for people to build communities and connect with the causes they care about. 29% of online donors say that social media is the communication tool that most inspires them to give, according to the Global Trends and Giving Report. In their future creativity study, Adobe announced that creators are key to advancing social causes online. The report says nearly 95% of creators take action to advance or support causes that are important to them. These are online creators. By using their creativity and influence to advance social causes, creators believe they can drive awareness, 51% of them, give a voice to those who otherwise wouldn't have one, 49%, and make it easier to voice opinions on social causes, 47%. Now, when I talk about social media fundraising, I do tend to focus on Meta, Facebook, and Instagram. 
because no other platform has that kind of donate button and the full suite of charitable giving tools quite like they do. And in November, Meta announced that users, people on Facebook and nonprofits have raised over $7 billion through fundraisers on their platforms. Now, that is just money raised using the donate button and using fundraisers. Can you imagine if they could tally up all of the money raised off-site? I bet it's 10 times that. The Facebook fundraising experts at GivePanel wrote in a recent blog post that they believe 2023 will actually be the year to prove that the power of Facebook's giving tools is here to stay and grow. They write, monthly active users are still going up for the meta family of apps, and they are taking share back from TikTok. We've already witnessed a number of updates being rolled out, including new features for Facebook groups, donation matching for regular givers, and native Facebook fundraiser challenges for nonprofits. That's the end quote. But other platforms are catching up. Twitch turned on their charity tool this year, allowing creators to easily fundraise on a charity's behalf. And the people at TikTok, they're continually exploring how they can support charity campaigns directly from the video streaming platform itself. YouTube also has fundraising features. Um, YouTube giving allows creators to support the charitable causes they care about and eligible channels can fundraise for nonprofits by adding a donate button to their videos and live streams. So you have to sign up for the YouTube nonprofit program. YouTube is owned by Google. So just look up the Google for nonprofits program, look up the YouTube for nonprofits program and register there. Okay. That was a lot to take in. Um, in my next solo episode, I'll share the steps that your nonprofit can take to make sense of these trends, how to decide which ones to jump on and which ones to ignore for the time being anyway. So just remember, marketing is always changing. The digital world is always changing. The economy is always changing. Philanthropy is always changing. Do what makes sense for you, where you are, your capacity, your bandwidth, and your mission. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but right now I'm inviting you to sign up to get notified when I open the doors to Social Media for Social Good Academy. Inside the Academy, which I only open once a year, I help you build an action plan and a workable strategy to up-level your social media marketing. You can get on the early interest list at socialgoodacademy.com. And I'll send over all the details very soon. Until next time, keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorns.